Welcome to the Little Red Village podcast, produced by Little Red Fashion. CEO Jonathan Joseph and head historian Rachel Elspeth Gross are about to take you on a journey through the ins and outs of fashion, tugging at the threads of how it all works straight from the people who make it happen. Let's join them for today's episode. Chirshniska is a unisex, sustainable fashion brand that has committed to making sure that at least 50% of its production uses recycled materials. It is the creation of entrepreneur Irna Kokana, which features hand-drawn prints by the brand's creative director, Anastasia Rosava. It is not just quality that matters to them. There is an inherent need to do good. Earlier this year, Chirshniska showed in Helsinki and then at Paris Fashion Week for the very first time their spring-summer 2023 collection. Art is very important to Chirshnishka, as is offering a range of designs with sizing that does not differentiate between men and women. Irna takes her responsibility as a leader very seriously. Long before her company was operating during wartime, her love of fashion and style was nurtured by her parents, whose gentle presence she credits for developing her early curatorial vision. After the detestable second Russian invasion began back in February, Things felt more bleak to them than they do right now. Today, Irna tells us, they are used to working during war, well, at least as much as people can be. She's looking forward, planning for what will come next, hiring new employees, looking for places where good work will make a difference. For more than 20 years, she has been focused on sustainability as a lifestyle choice, but she doesn't see this as a chore or a hardship. She believes it is fundamentally the correct thing to do and she is one who lives by the tenets that she espouses. She believes that there is always more to learn, and always more that any one person can be doing. She is committed to making the world a better place. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of The Little Red Village. I am your host, Jonathan Joseph, with my comrade in arms, Rachel Elspeth Gross, and our wonderfully talented, amazing guest today as part of our Ukrainian fashion series, Irina Kohana of Shereshnitska. Yeah. Thank you so thank much for making the time to be here with us today. Thank you, guys. It's also nice to meet you, and thank you for supporting us. Not a problem. We are happy to be in a position that we can. I really just love so many of the things that seem to be so important to you. They overlap so much with our own interests in terms of sustainability, creating a workspace that people can grow in, helping people start their careers. I mean, these are all things that matter so much to us. I know that you have a partner. I just wanted to know how you guys met, how you got started. With Anastasia is her name? Yeah, this is actually a part of what you mentioned about our brand, about growing talents. So I started my brand alone and I was looking for a freelancer to make some sketches and images to my brand. And this is how I met Cecilia. And yeah, I was just surprised how talented she is. And she just graduated university, but she knows and can do a lot. So I offer her job and after that we started so in that time I do not need a new person in my team but this is what let's call chance that you met the right person and you just realized that you couldn't miss it and also this is the opportunity to her to grow with my brand so this is our story <laughs> no it's wonderful I love women supporting women a lovely thing. I've Absolutely. Also- and I feel the same way about Rachel. You know, we, <laughs> we uh, 
a similar happenstance, you know, in starting Little Red Fashion. I was looking for the right person at the right time, and Rachel and I connected, and the rest is, is history. And now we're, we're doing such wonderful work together. So I definitely empathize with, you know, the expression kismet when something is, is meant to be. And so I, I definitely sympathize with it. I would love to know, you know, what your inspiration for the brand was and how you got into the fashion world and the beginnings of this. On the early beginning, I don't have, let's say, inspiration for the fashion because I was just wanted to create a nice Ukrainian company with decent working condition. And I was looking in different areas. What can I do? And after fashion catch my attention. So a lot of things are going on. So not right working condition, not so good salaries and a lot of other stories. So I want to change it. And I attend some courses. I started learning pattern making and other things. And I really loved it. That is why it was like two things. So some ideas to create a nice company in Ukraine. And on the other hand, I feel my passion. It's really what I want to do. Yeah, and this is how we started. And Anastasia joined us. We just a little bit changed our course and we became also like a real fashion brand. So we are now not only about working condition and just create nice working environment now we are about art and about a lot of other things and we are talking now about inspiration just about inspiration of our designers so it's not only about- no I, I love that i think very often you hear brands start with the design and inspiration and they worry about production and the working environment later or it's an afterthought for certain companies and i like that you flipped the script as they say, and we're focused on creating a positive company. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you in terms of that side of things, in terms of what you saw in the fashion industry and in working environments in Ukraine that led to you wanting to be the change? You know, I don't saw that time much things that we need to improve exactly in fashion. I just have a lot of nice experience by my own. I was always working in nice companies. My friends were working in nice companies. And mostly all these companies just from U.S. or IT companies, but not seven years ago. Let's say now there are a lot of nice Ukrainian companies, and I'm proud about that. But that time, maybe I didn't hear about them, but this was like my motivation. So I that I have all my life that experience and I want to create that experience for other people and fashion I don't know just maybe because a lot of people are talking about fashion and that time we have this really big stories from big brands mass markets about their working condition that everyone was talking maybe that is why I just match all these things and and at the end I like creating patterns and other things and it was like <laughs> Perfect match. Yeah, we, yeah I, I understand. We've all heard terrible stories about things that happen in places where the employers are not as caring or don't consider. And we've spoken, I think, now to five or six different Ukrainian women like yourself. And we keep hearing over and over how much their workers are committed, how much love they have for the brands. And I think that that's something I wish we heard more of in the world generally. I'm curious about the unisex portion of your of your company. Was it always 
that way? Or did you start, you know, with menswear or women's wear? I just, we create always men's and women's who closely is like the same clothes, but because sometimes people couldn't get and it's difficult to choose, for example, a shirt when the photo is made only on a woman or only on a, on a man, but this is like the same item. And for me, this concept was always very interesting. I like menswear and I always was thinking that it's always so nice made and why we have like even different technologies to produce women's clothes and it shouldn't be like that. And now what we can see that women are fighting for their rights. They want the same salaries, same opportunities and you can feel free to wear whatever you want and it couldn't be like gender between that. So no, that makes sense. I mean, there's plenty of times, you know, when I see something at a store and I wish that it came in my size or I wish it happens with my daughter a lot. I have a, a child who's five and I wish that they made the patterns that they make for children <laughs> my size. I look at your patterns and I think that they, the things that Anastasia is designing, and I think they're similar in that they're so joyful. They're so bright. And I don't know, that kind of happiness I think you can feel it in clothing when the people who are making it and the people who are designing it and the people who are running the company enjoy what they do and they feel cared for, respected, you know. I think that's a, a wonderful thing to have accomplished. Thank you. Can we talk a little bit about your most recent experiences? I don't want to say anything or make you say anything that would yeah, be uncomfortable. We can't talk completely. <laughs> so, I know in February, this horrible invasion began i know it's the second you know 2014 was really the beginning of this perhaps earlier than that has it been difficult for you and your partner and your brand to operate now that time it was like let's say completely disaster so i even i was thinking that i have a heart attack twice this was like really really bad so it was like in one let's say even day or even first 12 hours you could make a lot of decisions just to send money to your people. You don't understand how the bank works. It's just a queue to get cash. You don't understand what will work, what wouldn't work. And some people deciding to go abroad. And it's just like everything is falling apart. So after first week, we decided to close our production. But now we just realized we used to it, let's say, for this air alarms, we know what to do, how how to act during air alarms. And anyway, we should work for our people, for our economy. And so we reopen our workshop and now we are trying even to hire new people. That's awesome. People were, but team fallen apart. Some people now are abroad because they were saving their children and uh, yeah. Now we just rebuild everything from a scratch. I mean, the team. There's not a single conversation that Jonathan and I have had with anyone from Ukraine that hasn't reflected what you just said, that the people want to be there. They want to do their work. They want to do their part to support their countries. And I don't always feel convinced that that's the same thing about my own country. And I think it's so inspirational to know so many of your fellow countrymen are so dedicated. I think, I mean, that's something I wish I felt more about my own place. So you're safe. 
I'm very glad to know, and I'm very glad to know that you're able to operate. Can I ask about how you got connected with Jen Sideri? How that happened? We've heard some wonderful stories about, I mean, I love her so much. <laughs> yeah, it was the second time we applied with USAID for a New York Fashion Week showroom before we have really good experience with them. They invest in our production. So we create jobs and we do a lot of nice things during last year. And I applied for New York showroom. And this is how I met Jen. And yeah, unfortunately, just during that week, the war started and yeah it were it you was here in, every, in new york no, no mostly all the team were in ukraine i was in london that time so i'm still here and yeah and a lot of people came abroad and now they are in ukraine just stay for a little bit but decided that they can do that so they decided to come back must be difficult to be away to be separated from your neighbors your family your friends yeah, yeah, it's it's really difficult experience. You know, we have a little bit the same during the COVID. So our team was also in different places when the lockdown came. But this is was like for few first months or even weeks, we were uncertain what's going on. And after that, you're like, okay, life is continuing. We have new rules and and. Anyway, you have this vision. So in two years, COVID will end. And like scientists said that and everyone pretty sure about that. But now we don't know what to expect. Even like even today in the evening, you couldn't just make any forecasts or whatever. So we're like living that this moment and that's all. So... I think, you know, when Rachel and I have been having all of these conversations with your fellow fashion industry folks, and really anyone from Ukraine, what strikes me as so inspiring, whether by accident or design, or strictly by just requirement to, to survive, is this adaptability that is so profound. And as Rachel said, <laughs> and as Rachel said, it's something we try to drive home on the podcast and why we do these to inspire children and young people to creatively solve problems and overcome obstacles. And I'm interested to know what you feel these experiences have taught you as a business owner about creative problem solving and overcoming unique challenges and what advice you might have for young people who may be facing any kind of challenge and what skills have served you well through that process? It's um, really nice question. I was thinking a little bit about that before, but during the COVID, I was thinking that it's like the worst that could happen with us. After the war started, I realized that we could even operate the business working in with our small team in three time zones from four different countries. And I was really surprised about that. So I think like flexibility and fast learning, this is like the most helpful what I have and what helps me, let's say, to be successful. But maybe to survive this situation because 
you have a chance, when you're a business owner, you have a chance just to be sad or frustrated about things. You could make really fast decision and uh, you can adapt to this reality. So you, someone could ignore or takes like weeks to accept the situation. But if you are responsible for people, you couldn't do that. So now when I'm thinking for like first week of the war, when I was just in spite of this heart attacks or whatever I feel, I've just started to do things. So I understand like, okay, I don't have any more Ukrainian market, but I could sell abroad. So let's change my website quickly. So I change the currency. I register in the bank account abroad. I was just like doing <laughs> crazy all these things. Okay, what can I do more? What did these people are looking for? So it was like, okay, uh, I don't have a production team, but maybe I, I should hire more people to help me with all the processes. And we have a stock. And it was like really fast decision and accepting the situation and changing yourself towards the situation. Yeah. So... I don't know, maybe this is my <laughs> advice. It's just mm. to learn how to learn. So fast learning is always good. I, I love that. I, I think you touched on something really important right there, learning how to learn. Yeah. Because yeah, we yeah. all learn, learn differently. And I think especially for kids and young people, you know, half of life at that age for young kids is learning how to learn. And, and figuring out what works right best for you. Fine. Yeah, to learn how to learn how to learn. We always like to ask people about inspirations in their lives. Sometimes people have a particular book or maybe there's an artist or someone that they really that they love and we don't want this just to be a conversation about the more difficult parts. Could you talk to us about what inspires you? I don't have really a book or a film or artist or inspiration, let's say. So I like a lot and I read a lot and I like a lot of arts. But for me, real inspiration is people who is around me. And it could be even a lady from supermarket, but sometimes she's looking like special way or she's talking with customers nice way so it's during the different my lives of periods of my life i have a different people to be inspired so and mostly it's like really ordinary people and their story mostly are amazing i feel the same way i'm a i am a people watcher i often work from like the coffee shop or somewhere where i can sit and when i'm writing even any of our books or the things we're working on here at little red and i agree you never know what it might be i think you know this is why the french that expression like the je ne sais quoi the, the thing you, you just can't put your finger on what it is but it, it sticks out to you and it registers and it stays with you and yeah. i think especially with fashion it's really easy for that thing to stick with you and it tends to be fashion for those of us who are so inclined and i was curious another question we often ask our guests i know you mentioned that you came into pattern making and things a little later but do you have an early fashion memory or like a 
a particular maybe garment or, you know, I have, for example, like my mom, the smell of Chanel number five always reminds me of my mom. Or sometimes she had this pair of certain sunglasses that she would wear when she was maybe feeling her best. And it was like her armor that she would put on and she would feel better. So do you have any sort of early fashion memories? Uh, you want to share? Yeah, I, I have this uh, memories. Okay, I don't know if, if in the US children uh, do that, but we're making dresses from curtains. Uh, so we just make really nice dresses, but it's mostly all the children are doing that. But when I was, um, let's say, 10, 12 years old, I started to pick up really bright clothes and I like to combine these clothes in really specific way that my friends or people around saying oh you're looking so strange but it was like nothing strange and I like were not mainstream pieces and someone always asked why you're wearing that <laughs> but I like it's just like I'm feeling right now so yeah it's not like a particular item but it was like that style to be different uh, right like early you just you had the the styling bug like, I like to put this together and that together. I think it's really powerful. You know, for children, I, I think choosing what they wear is often one of the first sort of ways we let them be autonomous and let them make decisions for themselves. So I think any kid who has that early sort of styling gene is both lucky. I was definitely one of those. I have talked many times on the podcast about my socks. When I was like mm -hmm. a kid, I, I had leg braces and covered them with socks. And we would go and find every color and every size and every style so I could match them with outfits. Or sometimes I would make the outfit and then be like, okay, now I got to find these perfect socks. And so I, I too had the early styling bug, so I definitely resonate with that. And I want to add just I'm a really lucky kid because my parents never influenced my style and whatever. And from, I suppose, 11, 12 years old, they give me money and I was buying my clothes by myself. So only the only one thing, just my parents, my mother, especially, she double checked. i 100% sure you want this. <laughs> Of this and so at that time you don't have an phone so I could I can describe her only this thing so I couldn't uh, show her so I described she asked me twice this question if I'm really sure and you know sometimes I was bringing back her money and I was saying okay I was thinking and no I'm not sure 100% so this is also no, that's wonderful I think that's great I love that where it's you know I think some kids, they would just be like, I'm going to spend through this money and just get it. But it sounds like you had a very early sort of curatorial eye for, for your own aesthetic. And I, I think that's amazing. I mean, I was very lucky because my mother was a knitter. I, I did not. I'm not very good at knitting. But if I wanted something that I couldn't find to, let's say, match an outfit, she would say, oh, let me make a sweater pattern that has a thing on it. Maybe it was dinosaurs. Maybe it was, a, I had this one outfit that was school bus colors. So it was yellow and red and, and dark gray and there was no sweater. There was no jacket. And I was really upset that I was like, I want this school bus outfit. And she made me a sweater that had a little school bus that like wrapped around the sweater. And, uh, you know, I, God bless her, but she made lots of very interesting sweaters. I wish I still had some of them in my grown up adult oh, size. definitely keep them. 
Uh, well, we, do, we donated them many years ago, but unfortunately, I, I, we donated them many years ago, but, you know, I do wish I had the grown-up sizes of, the, <laughs> of those sweaters where I could just wear them now. So before we wrap up, would you tell us a little bit about where you're going, what's coming next for you, for your brand, how we can support, what we can do to help? Oh, yeah, like in a few hours, I am mm-hmm. going to Helsinki. We will open Helsinki Fashion Week this season. And yeah, this is like very exciting to our team. And we'll present Spring Summer Collection 2023, dedicated to recent experience of Ukrainian nation. And I hope uh, everyone mm-hmm. will like our new collection. Yeah, this is like next big step for us. And after that, I'm really hoping to go to New York in September during New York Fashion Week. And also we are going to showroom during Budapest Fashion Week. So a lot of nice things are happening. And yeah, I'm really excited. And I hope that all these events help to rebuild me, my company. We do too. We absolutely hope that for you. And I I actually am going to ask one last question. Because I know... You know, your part of your focus right now, as you know, your website states and Angel for Fashion's profile on you states is, is that you guys also have a sustainability focus. And 50% of your line until 2020 will be made from recycled items. And so I was just curious as to what you think sustainability not only means to you and your brand, but why it's so important. Because obviously, as a kid focused brand, we're focused on leaving them a better planet, a better fashion industry, and a better creative, you know, environment. And so I'd love to hear from you why that's such an important aspect of the brand to you. You know, I heard about all the environment problem, I suppose, like 20 years ago already. And it was like, it's touching me so much. And okay, we all know the statistic about fashion industry. So when I choose, the, it's like my business will operate with this fashion. It's, it was like, Choosing the industry when you're so not only a working condition, but you can influence also a sustainability aspect, I mean, materials and other things. I think sustainability should be important like for everyone now. So it will be like a part of the education. And I wish like young people who grew up in other biases and they should operate other let's say, information so they can make better choices. And I don't know, it's, it's not like a choice. I'm, I'm feeling that it's right. And I'm thinking even deeper sometimes because I'm thinking that maybe we need some government regulations about that because we are still producing, producing and producing. Yeah, and okay, we have like my small brand and we are recycle all these secondhand items, jeans and whatever, but someone is producing it. And I wish I couldn't have this old shirts and jeans to recycle because I, I'm doing like, I don't know, it just, you even couldn't say the number because my brand is so small, so we could recycle really small amount of this. I suppose one store, like mainstream brand selling hundreds times more a day when we could uh, recycle. So. This is like important issue and yeah, everyone should talk. It's not only about fashion, it's like our everyday life. It's just everything. Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. Part of our mission at Little Red Fashion too is to 
create dialogue and stories, some of which I'm writing right now, that talk mm-hmm. about, you know, how we consume and how we, not just clothing, but in general, mm-hmm. and then encourage, you know, things like upcycling, of course, but also just becoming more conscious consumers and teaching children that you don't need to have the most expansive wardrobe. You need to have the best quality things that you can get that will last a long time and learn how to keep them and take care of them yeah. and properly wash and launder them so they don't disintegrate or create microplastic. I think we are long overdue for a cultural shift as a society in not only the rate of consumption and what we consume, but how we live with our things. And I think brands like yours and and many others are slowly articulating this change and providing a very valuable use case for younger generations who are just, you know, learning about what they love in fashion and, and other design disciplines to really make them more conscious about how and what they consume. So I I love that, and I I couldn't agree more. Well, I don't think it has to be small either. I mean, regardless of the size of of your company, I think every single person who's working for you is, first of all, being treated properly, respected, and then they're gaining this knowledge and the ability to work in such a way that they're thinking about all that that Jonathan just said. And how could that be small? That's a whole... You know what I mean? Like every place I go, they're going to have that be part of. You know, I always. I think that's magical. I could do more, or I want to do more, and I'm just always try to improve process, whatever it takes. But you know, it's just a lot, a lot, a lot ahead to do. So of course, (laughs) course. you have to take care of yourself, and you have. We need you. We need people like you. So I think. I don't know. I'm so glad that you were able to speak with us. And I very much hope you will get to see more of your work in the United States. And I'm thrilled to know that you get to share your brand with the world the way that you are. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and your vision with our with our audience. I, I think it's truly inspiring and, and the work you do is beautiful. And I'm so appreciative of Jen, of course, for, for bringing us all together. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. That is our episode for today, everyone. Thank you so much to, of course, my co-host, Rachel, our lovely guest, Irina. Make sure that you go to Angels for Fashion, check out her work, learn about the amazing things she's doing and pieces she's producing and her inspirational story. And make sure that you're following us here on whatever platform you are listening to. Give us a review at Little Red Village. And if you haven't yet, head to littleredfashion.com and pick up your copy of The Little Red Dress. Thanks, everybody. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. That's a wrap for today. Visit us at littleredfashion.com, where you can find the show notes and transcripts of Little Red Village podcast episodes on the blog. And if you enjoyed it, give us a four-star review on whatever platform you're listening through. We're on a mission to empower the next generation and build a community of supportive fashion lovers, families, educators, and professionals like you to help creative kids thrive. Thanks for joining Jonathan and Rachel today. And remember, fashion is for everyone.